haven't done this in so long. Uh, how do podcasts even work? Uh, it's a mystery to me. I just show up. <laughs> show up, do the editing. Yeah. Alright. Learning outside the work. Actually, I never say the title anyways, why am I learning Welcome everyone to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. I am here, I don't know, I'm just here, and I'm here with Nathan. How are you doing, Nathan? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? I am scatterbrained a little bit, but overall doing great. Had an awesome long weekend, camped, saw a bear, and, you know, just overall solid, solid 8 out of 10. I don't think that can be that good of a weekend. Mind you, you got out unscathed. But I'm still convinced that if I see a bear, it's probably the last thing I see. I'm hoping that's not true, but I'm also hoping I don't see a bear. So. Yeah. Have you categorized what kind of bear, though? Could it just be a teddy bear? Teddy bears are not in that same category. No, it's specifically, okay. most specifically, grizzly bears. Uh, mm. And this is related to one of the things that I was going to mention in Do Better, but I've been trying to like learn more about camping in general. And then the channel I was watching had some videos about encounters with bears and like how to deal with it and it just reminded me of how afraid I am of being in an interaction with a bear so uh, hoping that doesn't happen but now I'm prepared for it should it be the case that I do have to have an encounter with a bear yeah for all the listeners out there this is just another reminder we live in Canada that's right there's bears <laughs> There's bears, and you have to think about that every time you go pitch a tent. Yep. <laughs> so how was your week? Did you uh, do anything interesting? Find anything frustrating or cool? Um, I, I took most of the week last week just to like relax and took time of work and a little bit of doing system design and everything, but a cool stuff that I read from the awesome newsletter. It's, it's just going to be, be my source now. I don't think I'm gonna get anything else and everything that I find cool comes from it. Um, is Domino's now has a AI pizza scanner called Dom that they're like rolling out in New Zealand and Australia to like match the picture of the pizza as it's being made and stuff to proper how pizza should look like so that every customer gets the best pizza there is. Yeah, I, I found it like super cool because it's being rolled out in like Australia and New Zealand. And, you know, if you had just delayed your vacation a little while, you could have gotten a pizza double checked by a machine. Yo, like two years ago today, I was in New Zealand somewhere because earlier this week, my phone started telling me, remember when life was good and you were in New Zealand <laughs> two years ago? I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Um, so I could have, but obviously now is not the time to go. But I'm very confused by this. I don't judge my pizza's quality by uh, visual. I prefer to know how it tastes. So like, how does this ensure quality pizza? Well, I'm, I'm assuming at least for the most part, since it's a giant chain, their cheese, the bread and everything gets mass produced and mass quality controlled. So at the end, the thing that reaches just before the consumer is the pizza they make. Right. with all that ingredient put together. Okay. So if it doesn't look as good because the cheese didn't melt properly or they forgot six pepperoni slices or something, the machine's just going to be like, nah, not good enough. Make it again. 
And I think this is just going to make people who work there for minimum wages hate their job even more. <laughs> but you'll get a good pizza. So. <laughs> yeah, they're just getting mad because Dom, the AI, hates their pizza. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Imagine, like, some somebody you know at Domino's is like, hey, I like this guy. You know what? I'm going to be generous and put triple cheese or something. <laughs> and then Dom's just like, this doesn't look look correct i'm sorry michael i can't let you do this (laughs) and you just end up with not a not a great pizza approve the pizza dom (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) so that's the only thing oh and the second thing is i'm sure people who've listened to this in the past know how i'm obsessed with the last of us and that game so Sony released, uh, or Naughty Dog more specifically, not- released a 60 FPS patch for The Last of Us 2. So the moment my wrist heals, I'm going back. Uh, I want to experience the intense combat and kill things in a much more faster frame rate. Yeah, how about you? How's your week been? Uh, my, my week in general was good. I'm a bit thrown off because we skipped a week in recording, so I'm trying to remember what actually happened in this past week and what happened before. But um, I guess a cool thing that happened this past weekend was at least cool to me. It would be cool to nobody else, but it was cool to me, which is the final North America major for... I swear, as soon as we started podcasting, motorcycles decided to go by. This is so annoying. (laughs) Super quiet until now. Um, But the North America major for uh, Rocket League, this was the final major of the season. And so they did the Oceana one two or three weeks ago, and then they did um, the South America and Europe and then North America. And this past one, the other ones were kind of boring. I skipped through most of the matches uh, because I really only watched certain teams. Like I was interested in. But this one, the entire thing was really good. I think I skipped one series of all of them. And the final match had the craziest overtime I've seen in a long time. And uh, it was good. It was, a, it was a good, like, the teams that got to the grand final were what you would hope got to the grand final, like the fan favorite teams got there. And it was a, a nice competitive weekend and no horrible drama. So that's always nice. But yeah, I've, I had fun watching that. And something that's interesting was Sam Harris was on Lex Friedman's podcast. And I don't listen to a ton of Lex Friedman. And I stopped listening to Sam Harris when my subscription expired. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed the, sh- the podcast. So I recommend that. Um, related to, I've got two frustrating things. I'll do the Rocket League one first. So there are a bunch of quick chats you can use when you're playing Rocket League. And so those are things that are automatically baked in. You just hit a couple buttons and it automatically sticks something in chat. And one of them that people can use is take the shot. And it's so infuriating when you're in gold or platinum and we're all terrible. And you've got someone who wants to be the coach of the team just constantly pasting take the shot in, especially if they're a really terrible teammate. So like when you're about to go for kickoff, the general rule is, at least in North America, is left goes first. And so normally if I'm on the left, I can just assume if I'm in plat that I can go first. 
if I'm if I've been losing matches and I've dropped down, I'll start saying like I got it because that's one of the other quick chats to let them know I got the ball, and they pretty much always ignore it no matter what, and they just go anyway. And then you got double double commit, but it's better than nobody going. But sometimes there's a guy who no matter where he spawns, he'll just spam take the shot every single time, or he'll overcommit on offense. And you can't follow him because if you follow him, he's not getting back in time to stop the counterattack. So you have to hang back and then he'll like slow roll the ball past the net and the opponents are way closer and he's just spamming, take the shot, take the shot. And you're like, I'm nowhere near the ball right now, dude. So that's been really frustrating lately. Uh, but something that the rest of the world actually cares about as opposed to just me that was frustrating was Spotify decided to upload, update their UI, at least on Android, I'm sure it's updated elsewhere, but it is for podcasts at least, which is, I use Spotify for music and podcasts, just for convenience. They got rid of these nice beautiful buttons at the top that just said music and podcasts, and they put it all together and used these random filters that are at the top. They're not random, but they're just like arbitrary filters almost. And then you have to you do a bunch of juggling with your episodes to move them from new episodes, which shows everything, to your episodes if you download them. And then you have to manually remove them from your episodes. So in other words, if you want to leave Wi-Fi access, you download the episode, it goes onto your episodes. You can then play it from your episodes, so it won't try to play a non-downloading episode after. It'll just go to whatever the next downloading episode is. But then when it's done, you have to manually say, remove this download and manually say, remove it from this playlist. And if you want to check your new episodes, you then have to go back to the new episodes playlist, which you don't get a notification about it. You just have to see like any new episodes today and just check that playlist. And worse than all this, because that's just like kind of tedious and annoying. You like you had something that was really easy to use and it's just a bit more frustrating. The part that I actually dislike the most is they've put in some sort of check to see if you're connected to Wi-Fi or something, or it tries to load remote access or remote uh, assets, and then if it can't get it, it fails over to just what you have locally. Something's going on because it now is so slow. It takes a good three to five seconds to load certain like views. And I'm like, how did you regress this? Like, how did this get through a QA pass? Where you, I guess they were always on the internet. But you think you would have something that's like performance regressions that are so bad where it's like time to first interaction has increased by 5,000%. Like you would think they would spot this and they, they haven't. So, or at least on my device, this is a problem. Maybe it's specifically my IP and they just got real mad about, about me. And actually, I guess my Mac address. Like that guy, punish him. But that's been... Those are my two frustrating things from the week. Other than that, it was great. I went for some bike rides, hikes, took some naps. So it's been a good week. But those are the things I wrote down for my cool, frustrating, interesting. Mm -hmm. So, so they but they are open source, right? Like if you go look at the code and see if there's a, if Nathan IP and then no internet, so he can't complain, <laughs> sleep 10. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be, could be. You never know. It's probably, yeah, just, whatever the equivalent of a cypress.wait is, it just does that. Yeah, maybe, well, we talked about this, right? Like one of the great ways to get a whole bunch of, um, I don't know, promotions or something is create problems, <laughs> then fix them. Yeah. So maybe some developer listened to this podcast and put a whole bunch of sleep 
And they only do it when it's offline so it doesn't get tracked in their metrics. Smart. Yeah. And now sooner or later, a lot of people are going to complain. And then he's just going to remove it. And there you go. Extra, huge. Extra, huge. Extra five-point bug on that sprint. Exactly. Velocity is going but to the moon. Yeah. I just want to see how many of people like complain about this feature to Shopify. Spotify. No, it's not going to complain to Shopify. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were yeah, doing the opposite yeah. mistake that everybody else does. <laughs> no, no, no. My, my buddy, very, he was very open. And I followed the CEO on Shopify for Twitter a little bit. And that was his one of the biggest complaints. He just says, he just hated that, you know, he got, he got just kept paying for Spotify complaints and people who want Spotify things. Like, they're very different. Like there's, there's yeah. there they have so Shopify has a esports team, and they one of the casters is very worried that he's gonna on stream, ref, constantly refer to them as Spotify as instead of Shopify, and so he's saying a few times in his own personal stream, and he's like, guys, I can't get in the habit of doing this because if this happens live, I'm gonna get in big trouble. But I I was glad that it wasn't just me because I've done that once or twice before too. Yeah, we could just refer to it as that company, and yeah. then let people infer from context which one it is. Right. Yeah. Is it yeah. online stores, or is it music and bad podcast UIs? Yeah, they can figure it out. Well, from what I've seen, they both at least have the bad UX in common. <laughs> so I haven't used Shopify at all, so I don't know. Mm, no, it's pretty bad. Oh, okay. I mean, it's okay and they've definitely improved it since like i played with it like four or five years ago but yeah because now like their whole business model is around people who can't code or make websites right so they use their tool so they do make the ux nice um but they they have their problems maybe they'll learn from it just like this episode <laughs> where we're gonna talk about learning outside of work you smell that that's the smell of a segue that is a smell of a segue because we don't have sponsors, so we can't put that here. Yeah, we, Once we have those, then I'm going to like slowly like put a really like nice transition. Right. You just watch a bunch of Linus Tech Tips videos to get inspired by cringy ad segues and then you're good to go. Yeah, pretty much. We'll just be like, speaking of websites that have bad UI <laughs> on making websites. is perfect. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to have the, the obvious segments, which, uh, yeah. This episode is not sponsored by Squarespace. Yeah. They're just like Shopify, but the websites look pretty. And they're more expensive, I think. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Squarespace is kind of expensive, but yeah. if you... Not as expensive as Shopify, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, yeah. never use Shopify. Yeah, it's because Shopify more targets on like selling, buying things, and Squarespace, you can just have a static website. Yeah. Which, I mean, hire a college student and throw it on S3, but, you know... Who am I to judge how you run your business? <laughs> I'm just a guy on a podcast. That's right. So today, though, we are talking about, for the, at least we claim to be talking about, we'll see how much we actually talk about it, Work, uh, learning things outside of work. So obviously, as developers, uh, we are what's sometimes referred to as like knowledge workers. So we're paid because we know how to do stuff, and we have to spend our time learning how to do more stuff. And a lot of our 
work in the so-called nine to five time that you're actually at work is spent learning things. You're reading documentation on the tools that other people have decided to use. You're learning more about the tools that you're familiar with already. You're reading your existing code base and getting familiar with processes and the things we've talked about in previous episodes, like all the Atlassian project or products and how they've recently made things more confusing compared to last week when you logged in. So there's always a lot to learn on the job, but sometimes you either aren't prepared for the job you want and in the job you want, so you need to get prepared, or you need to get better at the job you're currently in for whatever reason. Maybe you just feel like you're behind or you want to get better just because you want to get better, or you have a goal like I want to get this particular promotion or whatever. And so I've done a lot of that in my career and I thought I would suggest it to Gian and see if he wanted to chat about it. So that's what we're talking about. Exactly. Uh, this conversation is sponsored by the imposter syndrome. Hey. Uh, keeping us developers always learning so that we don't get replaced. That's right. It's a, um, it's a good syndrome to have as far as syndromes go. That's true. And that's where I sort of wanted to start it off with. Um, not that I think it's a great thing. Uh, I've definitely spoken a lot about how imposter syndrome is not something we should be having all the time because mental health and everything's important. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if everyone's an imposter, then no one will be. That's pretty sus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, but if you, it's definitely one of those things where it sort of, triggers and points and the reason I wanted to start with this is in the I as we were talking about this episode today um, when I was making my notes I started thinking I started thinking what drove me to learn a whole bunch of things outside of work in the beginning of my career and it all sort of just pointed to because you didn't think you were good enough Um, and if at that time I had the actual visualization or learnings or introspection I think that would have pointed to these are the things you want to get better at or this is why you think you need to learn these things so that you can excel at one technology versus the other or based on whatever the need is. So when you do get into that sort of crutch, uh, maybe ask yourself why because I've also seen people who get the imposter syndrome because they hate the job they're in. So it, it works both ways. It either makes you better at your job or it makes you better at leaving your job because you don't feel like you belong. Mm. Yeah, so so I'll start off with the how at least I approach um, the decision to learn outside of job, and like the very first one that I'm sure is a common to a lot of people is just I'm a software young developer fresh out of school, and I have nothing better to do with my life, and I will just keep doing things at work because it's all fascinating and learning and fun to me, uh, so I just give it my all pretty much yeah how did you start (laughs) by learning (laughs) yeah so i learning things well i had a full-time sales job and then i was doing part-time freelance web development and i wanted to get a full-time web development role or full-time developer role and so again being recently graduated very little money in general and a lot of time 
And so I was like, you know what? Let's just learn a bunch of stuff and that will broaden my horizons for potential uh, companies that will hire me. And so I looked up a bunch of job listings and I was like, everybody seems to want React real bad. Let's try that. And so went on front end masters and I've mentioned them a bunch before, but I essentially just cruised through their catalog over the course of a couple of years, which overlapped with my first job. And uh, learned, just, the thing for me too is I really enjoyed, I still really enjoy learning as long as it's a topic I'm interested in. And so it was kind of like, I feel like I should learn more and then watch my first video. And then two years later, I'm still watching videos because I enjoyed that process of learning. But the impetus was definitely wanting to feel more prepared for practical work. Because if someone was to ask me, you know, do you like, have you used React? I couldn't, I couldn't say professionally that I'd used React. I had to just say like, well, these are some basic apps I've built on my own in React. Do you like them enough that you'll hire me to learn how to do this professionally? And that was essentially the best offer I could make. So that was what I did. And I just tried to build a bunch of stuff. So like I had something to show people when they asked if I had any idea what I was doing. And I didn't, and it was fine. But it was still, as I've mentioned before, the enthusiasm of the junior level developer is what I think comes across really well and directly or indirectly, like whether I knew that or not, that was kind of what that habit had shown people I interviewed with, which, which was this guy spends a lot of time trying to get better at stuff. I'm sure this won't stop happening when we hire him. He'll be fine. And essentially that's what happened. I got first job and just kept on trying to learn. Yeah, yeah. Like on the topic of, you know, getting how the why of the getting getting better and learning things outside, um, that's a pretty big one, like the willingness to learn. And you learn better and have more fun if you have the drive and interest. So like all comes back to like why you want to do that. Uh, I know for a fact my first job, or technically my second job, was offered to me uh, because, not because I like blew them away out of the water or anything, but because the problem they gave me during the interview, I wasn't able to solve. But I took the moment, whatever happened during that conversation, I told them I'm going to keep working on this and I will get back to you. And I went to the nearest pizza shop because the guy interviewing me had to like go to a meeting or something. So I just went to the nearest pizza shop with the internet connection, plugged in my laptop and hacked away at it till I solved it. And then I emailed them the solution saying, okay, I figured it out and this and that. And later on they told me it was the willingness and adaptation and just wanting to get it so bad uh, that they offered me the position, not because I was a bad developer. Mm -hmm. In contrast, you know, could have, could have been worse, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I think Thinking back on it, what I was kind of doing at the beginning, it was a lot of like uh, pseudo experience gathering and knowledge acquisition, where it's just like stuff. I just need to get stuff, context into my brain. I'm like, these are things that apps in the real world do. And this is how a few different programming languages work. And giving a lot of context to the stuff I was gonna go do at work made me slightly better at work. But then the things I was doing at work were very specific. So I was like, all right, go a bit more deep at work on these specific things and go very broad outside of work. 
and it was like this big, uh, again, acquisition process. And then it became much more of, all right, I want to actually get good at this stuff as opposed to just learn a bunch of stuff. So I think it was probably a year or two of full-time work where I realized it was, yeah, probably about a year, year and a half where I went, I think I don't want to branch out too much further yet. I need to stabilize a lot of this knowledge. And in hindsight, I'm glad that I did that because I was just kind of feeling stretched thin, but I couldn't really tell. And I remember having conversations with people who had, you know, 10, 20 years experience and be like, this is kind of what I'm feeling. Do you have any suggestions? And I got a lot of mixed feedback. Some people were like, yeah, being a generalist is really good. Other people were like, yeah, it's probably good to focus. So it didn't really answer my questions. But what I think a few years later looking back on it is some of them were looking at it as over the course of their career, they had been more generalist or at that moment in time, yes, I did need to focus. And that's how I ended up accidentally pigeon-toeing myself into being a front-end developer for three years. So the reason I picked that was partly because I was looking at, again, at job boards and seeing I want to work out on the West Coast. What do a lot of these companies want? If you don't have a lot of experience, it looks like they want front-end devs who can write React apps and I'll go learn how to do that. But then I got to the point in my career where I wanted to get good, tried to get good, got bored with getting good and being the JavaScript guy, and then said, let's do everything I possibly can to not be the JavaScript guy. I will now focus on something else. And so that was a big, the next kind of big transition point. So before I go into that, uh, do you have anything similar or sort of to like the next phase of your learning outside of work time? Yeah, no, no, that's a that's a good segue. Like, because we we've discussed a lot about the the why why you would want to do this and what were our motivations. Um, how was probably a good next step? I'm trying to think of any other reasons why I wanted to do it, and like it all it's all just coming down to like bullet points of either I did it because I was curious. Um, it definitely did help. Um, me being a more generalist in the beginning but I know I drilled down on specific things so I was a generalist in backend but I knew how to build a full-fledged API in Python which was what was sort of needed at the time for the job I could build it in also in Java but it was the principles that were more important so on your at work or by yourself you practice a lot more of the principles and the bigger level picture and more often than not, at work, you'll get to actually hone those principles into like detailed work that will give you the depth and the understanding you need. So you need the whole T uh, to you know uh, make, make yourself more sellable, but you have to sort of figure out which one you're getting at work or not, because maybe as a solutions architect, you're at work designing bigger level pictures all day, but you need to go home to actually like write something or construct something in depth because you're not on keyboard all the time. So like figuring out which one you want to go to and what you currently have is probably like the first step. Mm -hmm. And once we have that, Nathan, how do we do it? <laughs> so how, how do we get better <laughs> at learning stuff? Yeah, exactly. So one of the big things I did early on was I committed to a language, which was I picked JavaScript because that was the language that I was working in. 
And I started realizing I don't know for a fact that I'll be sticking with, at the time, the company that hired me, ironically, after everything I've said, they were primarily using Angular 1 as their front end and some server-side rendered stuff in Ruby on Rails. So I was learning a bit of Ruby and that was largely my introduction to like professional backend stuff. Um, but I picked JavaScript specifically because I realized I'm not getting professional React experience, but whatever my next job is, they're going to want me to know JavaScript or if I know JavaScript really well, I can realistically learn TypeScript. And so what I would do is outside of watching the JavaScript specific courses on Frontend Masters, I would just open up a file, so like temp.js, and just start doing stuff and see like, can I make a prediction about what this code's gonna do and does it actually do that? And it started trying to go into weirder and weirder edge cases of the language and really get the instinct for how the language is designed. And not a lot of people probably enjoy that particular approach, but it worked really well for me. So I would do something like, what happens if I map over an array and the callback I give it is an asynchronous function that I try to await? And I was like, I don't know what happens. Let's find out. And then just running little things like that, where I basically try to predict what I think is going to happen and then see what actually happens and then try to explain why. And that was sort of the way of falling into something like recursion, where I go, <laughs> where I go, could I write an entire algorithm with no variable assignment just using like the Y combinator? And just like these weird, or I guess the Z combinator for JavaScript, but just using these weird little um, experiments to see how well do I actually know what I think I know. And then as a side note, obviously I had 78 or something that YouTube videos that I made about primarily JavaScript. And if you don't know at all what you're talking about, one, it's going to be really hard to explain it to people. They're not going to get it because it's not very clear. And two, if they can tell you don't know what you're talking about, they're going to let you know because it's YouTube. And so that always was good pressure to make sure, all right, when I sit down and record this, one, there's no edits. I did all of them straight through, and it was largely for practice with eventually giving talks, but it was also, I can't edit out mistakes, so I need to make sure that I understand this when I sit down to do it. And I think that probably forced me to understand things better than I would have if I didn't have something like, you know, an imaginary YouTube audience early on and then a small but significantly vocal YouTube audience later. So that worked well for me. And ironically, I haven't made a YouTube video in a long time after I say that, but it did do a lot for me at the time. So that's how I did it, at least early on. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely seen like, even now, like a whole bunch of young programmers, what they do is they make an Insta page or something and they share their learnings and stuff there so that it's internet if you say even the slightly thing mispronounced or even people are just gonna like smash into your inbox and you may better make sure what you're speaking is right like you know like how the correct pronunciation is SQL uh, for the database query language oh, no. and you know 
And this is just to attract more comments. Um, <laughs> the sequel. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, definitely the principle of the thing being like trying it over and over in different scenarios. When I first, I'm, I've talked about this before and I hate recursion, but I get it and I know how to do it. I still hate it. And in the beginning, I was so relent, like reluctant to it was it won't, the concept won't go into my head and I didn't know how to do it. So I just wrote a binary tree over and over and over again in different languages until the concept was drilled into my head so hard that I just know how to write them and now I know if I start like a class node I know the rest of the function I, I don't even have to like think or draw something and I get how it works because I did it so many times while not understanding how it works because you do it three times you're like okay I'm sort of getting what's happening you do it five times and the more you do it, then you're just like, okay, I get it. I get what's happening. Don't just memorize it, but like doing it over and over does help. That was the beginning principle of the thing for me. One huge thing was um, just doing random side projects. Building something does help you understand the concept better. We also did an episode on side projects and everything if you guys want to go. Yeah. Take a listen. We talk about how we did, did these things to like learn concepts and things we weren't sure of and then when you do it in workplace you already know because you actually typed a code and executed and you understand how it works so you can debug it um yeah and then i don't know the biggest resource if you can find it get a mentor it's so good and my my C cto used to i don't know just every time i would open a pr had so many comments and I just, in the beginning, I hated it, and then I started loving it, and that made me a better developer, and turns out his comments became less and less, and I went up to him, and I was like, do you just not like me anymore, or like, what's happening, you're not like give, leaving me enough comments, he's like, you can look at it that way, or you can look at it that your code is getting better, I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about that, <laughs> and uh, that was just such a weird realization, and uh, yeah, just having those kind of resources available to you, especially if you're in the professional setting, in a developer job, trying to learn something. Other developers love talking about development work, like this podcast. So, you know, go find other dev bros and, you know, you might be surprised how, how interested they can be in teaching you about the stuff that excites them. Mm -hmm. Similar to that, we did a interview with a junior dev who we ended up hiring sometime last year and they were the person doing conducting the interview i was mostly just sitting in on it but the person conducting the interview wanted them to mention a particular data type which was a finite um, uh, state machine and it didn't come up and then at the end of the interview he was like so yes, what you're describing here, the term for it is a finite state machine. And after the call uh, ended, we were talking afterwards, like, all right, what did we think about the candidate? And my comment was, all right, they're definitely searching up and reading all about finite state machines right now. And the point being, like, it was very clear from the interview that that was the type of person who wanted to learn stuff and was going to be so curious about what this thing was that they weren't able to bring up 
in the interview so that they would know better for next time. And I had something similar doing an interview last year that was very much about uh, system design. And I was like, I have not had to talk through system design before. I just like kind of conceptually have this rough abstract idea of how these systems that I write code for tend to work, but you know, I'm not a YAML doctor. I'm not in there writing stuff like Yen. And uh, so I don't really know how all this works and trying to talk through it just revealed all these holes in my knowledge and the fact that the terminology was sloppy because I'm just like, these are these are things I kind of think about sometimes, but like ELB versus ALB versus NLB, I'm like, I don't actually know what which one I should use here. Are they like, are, is ELB even different than those two? Like the, the questions there are, they were so obvious that I didn't know what I was talking about. And so, a few months later, I've completed an AWS Solutions Architect course because I'm like, this can't be such a big uh, hole in my knowledge. I won't feel comfortable with having this here. And so that's at least somewhat recently been a good guide for me, which was I did a handful of interviews last year, which things didn't go well. And some of them I just decided I don't care about. Like, can you build a prefix tree? I'm like, I don't care. Honestly, I'm not going to go do that. Uh, I could figure it out and I don't care. But solutions architect or system design interview, that didn't go well. I would like for this to go well in the future. I can see this being something I do more of as my career continues. Let's get better at that and I can prepare then, sort of like I mentioned earlier, for a potential role in the future with more responsibilities in that area. So if you've had interviews, listener, that it that didn't go well that can be also a good way to point you in the direction of this is an area of weakness that i could learn more about and then i'll do better next time yeah i was looking for my phone to play the air horn sound when you mentioned you finished it uh, but it's way too far for me um but yeah like that excellently ties back to your point of like we're knowledge workers we need knowledge to sell ourselves and once we have a good enough base, we can start figuring out where to specialize, where to take it. Uh, but the important part is that you are a curious person, like that interview, junior developer example you give. You know for a fact they're working on increasing their knowledge after something new information was presented to them, and that was good enough to like get them hired. Yeah, I was gonna try to find my list, because I actually have a, here we go, software developer strengths and weaknesses sort of tier list for myself mm -hmm. and I just update this as I go. So I've got as categories my known software development strengths and so I've just got some things in there that I already know like I don't necessarily need to focus time on because I'm at least for my current level what I would consider competent and so it's just for example one of the things in there is just in quotes like quote unquote full stack web development. So in other words CRUD apps. Can I build CRUD apps? Yeah, I can do CRUD apps. Probably don't need to learn more about doing CRUD apps right now. I don't need to be the world's MVP of CRUD apps. Uh, and then I've got an in-progress section where I've just got in parentheses like a limit of one. So in other words, if I want to move something from the area below that, which is known software developer development capabilities, so something I'm capable at but not strong, like a strength, I can pick one thing and it'll take some effort to focus on bringing that up, but I can pick that. And in there I've got I'll pick the one I just mentioned. I've got algorithms because somehow I still suck at them, sad face. 
So if I wanted to, I could pick that and choose to make it a strength because it's still in the list. Clearly, I haven't picked that one, but it's a known, a known capability that's not a strength. And then the bottom one I have is known software development weaknesses. So as you can expect, things that I'm like, these are things I just am essentially incompetent at. Or like, it would be tough for me to fake my way through an interview and convince anybody that I know what I'm doing. So for those I have, I, it's easier to progress something like that to at least slightly competent. So I've got a limit of three and it's nice because I can move between them. So one of the things I currently have in progress there is systems design architecture. So the AWS course falls into that. Uh, something I had in there before was hardware knowledge. And so it was like, I read structured computer organization as part of that. And another one that I've got in there right now is uh, database performance optimizations. And so like I know of them, I understand how uh, database indexes work, when to use them generally, but if I have to really like optimize a Postgres query, I don't necessarily know the Postgres way to do Postgres things any better than any other dev who's just kind of like, yeah, I can build a CRUD app. So <laughs> the, there, there, those are the things I kind of look at when I'm looking for inspiration on what should I learn next? Do any of these motivate me? One of the ones that's in there that I would like to learn more about in the future is like networking and like protocols and those sorts of things. And moving that up to a higher level is something that draws me in. So if you have your own list, it may be uh, more optimistic. I have very few things in my strengths, some things in capabilities and many things in weaknesses. So uh, if you are unsure of where to go, just start thinking of things you can think of that other people you know are good at or you think that they're bad at and then figure out where those go for you and you can just start moving things up the list. Yeah, yeah. Side note, database optimization is fun. Yeah, you lit up like so a Christmas tree when I said that. Uh, it's, it's so good. Uh, I think we've talked about that before in the episode. No? Not, not too much, no. Okay, well, we'll do one at some point where I just like go for an hour on how to optimize a database because it's so much fun. I haven't done it in like six-ish months, mm. but when I do, I enjoy it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so excellent framework and points. Of course, by now, it's like episode 22. We know Nathan's super organized, so, you know, DM him, learn from him. Um, Nathan, what do I do? So these are all advices and perspectives from like people who are devs thinking of doing more dev things. What if I'm like a business analyst and I want to get into dev work because I'm tired of writing RFPs and I like coding or I, at least I think I will. Mm -hmm. So how to? Yeah, so if you're at the point where you think you will, then I would definitely start with something that is a low barrier to entry that gives you a taste of what it's like to actually write code. And one place you could start is just my YouTube channel. Go to some basic JavaScript videos if you want. Uh, I say that because I know I have, I know that I specifically have very basic introductory JavaScript videos. So if that's what you're needing to figure out like how do I, like what is a variable and why would I assign to it? That sort of thing is something that I cover. I don't have an easy recommendation for a place to start that's at that basic of a level, but I know they're out there. So if you wanted to find mm -hmm. just like 
some sort of free software online that's for learning or website for learning an intro to software development, you can learn, you can find those with Google. I don't know them though. So okay. if you're at the level where you have a little bit, like maybe you've been tinkering in Python before, you kind of know your way around some basic uh, SQL queries, then you can probably jump in something that's a bit more interesting, like building your first CRUD app or something like that. And they might not necessarily explain to you the simplest, most basic level of like why programming languages even exist and why you'll use them. But you get a taste for what does it actually mean to make something and do you enjoy it? Because if you're not sure of that yet, then I actually don't even have anything else to say. Like if you're not sure of that, find out because you're gonna have to find out eventually and getting into something that you hate is gonna be a problem because obviously we're talking about doing stuff outside of work. If you go home from work and you don't want to do stuff, you're not going to improve as quickly as people who do like to do those things at psych work, including having a podcast about it. So <laughs> I, I think beyond that, it's really just a matter of collecting experience on your own, trying to build your own little apps and projects, pick something that is of interest to you. So if you think you want to make mobile apps, figure out how to make a mobile app. Doesn't need to be good. Just try to make one. And then if you liked it, like the experience of it, try to make a better one. Try something else. See if you like making a, a website for the app. Just do whatever things you think you might want to do. See if you enjoy it. See if you can get better at it. And see if someone will hire you to do it. And that's pretty much the same way you do anything. You don't need to go back to school and I wouldn't recommend it. And uh, I don't have much else to say. I would say probably don't do a boot camp unless you have more money than sense and don't mind taking three months instead of eight months or 12 months. Like if you, if you would rather pay money to commit your life for three months to something as opposed to continue doing whatever you're doing while dabbling with programming on the side for a year, Sure, go to boot camp, but I think they're overrated, overpriced, and probably not worth your time. Just, or more importantly, I guess, worth your money. Yeah, this segment is also known as Nathan's hot takes. Oh, uh, <laughs> school is bad. Boot camps are bad. Boot camp. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know which one's worse. Probably school. If you're if you're um. already working, like if you've never been to school, go to school. If you've been to school and you're working and you want to transition into software development, boot camps are less bad than going back to school for a full degree, but boot camps are dumb. You probably shouldn't do them. Uh, yeah. Unless, unless you thrive in that situation and absolutely fail in all other situations. Like if you can't go home and spend a bit of time doing programming, fine. Somehow apparently you think you're gonna enjoy programming day to day, but if you don't do that at all, but you get into a, of you can commit like a week off from work and you just in like get yourself really into a problem and just emerge a week later and realize you haven't eaten like sure maybe boot camps are the way to go because you just love this immersion strategy but realistically i think most people are better off just dabbling throughout a year doing some coding getting some apps built and I was about to make another unnecessary hot take, but we don't even need to mention 
that YouTube channel. It's going to recommend, anti-recommend a YouTube channel, but there's no reason to do that. Yeah, but on, on anti-anti-recommend, uh, youtube.com, end of the calendar, <laughs> tell your friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool, yeah, because yeah, I, was, I was talking to somebody who did a comp sci degree, but they went more into the job of like analysis and data, mm -hmm. but they want to come back to like software development, like full stack and other stuff that they think they may still enjoy. And my advice to them was basically, you have the basics to some extent, just build stuff and you can probably find lots of courses and yeah, just go home and do things. If your five to nine is not giving you pleasure, maybe your, or sorry, your nine to five isn't giving you happiness, maybe your five to nine will. And if it does, slowly figure out a way to make your five to nine your nine to five. Dang. I know, I, it just comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you know, I have a friend who builds little Python scripts for fun. Like, you know how we have this whole, because capitalism is so big that side hustles are the newest hot take. And if you don't at least have two jobs, I don't know, five different sacrifices you make every day and everything, not you're just not productive enough. All of enough. us listen to Gary Vee. Gary is not the only one. He just tells you to sell garage stuff, okay? <laughs> There's like every every page you go to or every how to do better financially or anything in life page you follow, they're all just like, oh, you can flip real estate houses. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. And it's all about just like having every, like having your free time somehow make you money all the time. And I'm here to just like fight that mindset because there was a time when people had hobbies okay, good. that didn't make them money. Okay. I, I was thought you were going the other way, way and I was going to have to fight you on that. But no, we're on the same no. page. Good. Yeah. No. Hobbies are good. Like doing things that just make you happy should be a good enough reason to do things. And, you know, we're like learning outside of work can also help you hone different skills that you could, you know, if your mental health is better outside of work, there's a pretty good chance it'll still be good at work, depending on your work situation. But I've like heard people take things like woodwork or sewing, and it sort of ends up becoming this meditative thing for them or something that helps them develop focus that helps in development because now they have this skill that they learn doing this other activity, which wasn't something they're already doing at work because you know they're just doing work all day. Um, yeah, so, you know, even if it costs some money instead of making you money or no money, it could be still good. Do things and, you know, it doesn't all have to be hustling because I hate it. Um, but yeah, make lots of side projects, abandon them, listen to other episodes that we have about side projects and how to learn and how our journeys were for development. And, you know, that should, that should give you a pretty good idea. Yeah, so one thing I did want to mention is if you're lucky, then your company might provide time during work hours to do self-guided learning. And so these sorts of things are, or those sorts of blocks of time are a great opportunity to explore things related to your job that, or related to your career that aren't necessarily related to your job and they're of interest to you. So 
if you are currently doing something like what you were saying, you're more of a business analyst person and you want to transition into development, for example, we get four hours a week at my job to do self-guided learning. And so you could say Friday afternoons, that's gonna be my programming time and I'm going to work on this app every week from one to five on Friday. And it's a good way to stay motivated. It's part of your work. It feels good if you're enjoying what you're teaching yourself while you're at work because you associate it with work. At least that's what I've found where I'm like, I associate the thing I'm working on with the company giving me that time. And so it feels good. I feel good about the company doing that. So uh, for example, I did a lot of my time on this AWS course on Friday afternoons. And so I think of it as something that the company helped me learn, even though it wasn't related to my work directly because I don't do system design as part of my job right now. And so if you get that opportunity, take it. Don't work through it on something that you're just like, oh, we have a deadline because you don't get that time back, presumably, unless, unless you do. If you just get to aggregate it for a month and then take a week and just do learning, sure. But it's unlikely you'll get to take that if you can't take an afternoon now. So set that time aside. It's good for you. It's good for your mental health at work. It's good for your career in the long run. It's good for staying motivated. It's good for staying curious. I can't say enough good things about that opportunity because it's the best of both worlds. You're literally still at work and you get to do things you want to learn about. Yeah, totally agree. I have missed out on a lot of those and I do not recommend. <laughs> don't, just don't do what I do. Be better, do better, live better. Okay, I will try. Thank you. So, yeah, from now on, if you don't live better, I will be personally offended <laughs> because I said so and you didn't do it. All right. Well, fortunately, I have this mostly weekly podcast I have to report back in on how I chose to live better that week. So I think I'll be held accountable for that and I will continue to live a better life. All right. Anything else on your mind before we segue into the thing you just said? Yeah. So I do want to say one thing because mm -hmm. I've noticed a pattern with talking through all this stuff, which was uh, it seems to be somewhat cyclical where it's like broaden your knowledge and then focus your knowledge for a bit. And then time to broaden your knowledge again, then focus again. So it was like I needed to have enough quote unquote breadth to get my first job. And then I could focus on one thing to get good at that thing because I wanted to be good at my job. And then I wanted to slightly change my job, whereas become more full stack, focus more on back end, broadening again. And then I wanted to get away from front end. So intentionally focus on things that aren't front end. So get good at stuff that's more back end. Focus more on that. And now it's like, all right, I want to get more about system design. So again, broadening the knowledge base again. And then as I've, at, I'll have to do more broadening before I'm ready to focus down on this. But five years maybe from now, maybe at that point I have a good depth of knowledge on system design and I'm able to do a lot more of that work. And so you might be similar to me four or five years ago where it's like, I don't know whether to focus on depth or breadth. You can probably ask yourself, do you know what you're doing right now? Like how well do you know it? If you feel like you don't know it that well, it might be time to do a little bit of depth. And then when you get curious again, you can go for some more breadth. It's no hard and fast rules, but that's something that's worked for me uh, looking back on 
the decisions that I think worked well, as opposed to the ones that were false starts like machine learning. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen that as a sort of pattern of, if you have to ask the question of, do I know what I'm doing good enough? You probably should just by default, like go for depth. Mm -hmm. Cause like, cause you only should really go for breadth or yeah, look for breadth when you're just bored because you've gotten so in depth, you're, you're in your comfort zone again. You need to get out because comfort zone is nice and comfortable and that's not where growth is. Comfort zones are the worst, at least at work. They're so boring. They are. Imagine sitting eight hours and doing nothing or doing a lot, lot of things, but feeling <laughs> like you're doing nothing because, yes, you know. I can imagine. Yeah. I'm sure I'm describing like dream scenario for some people, but like they're probably not part of the do better community though. No. Do the same as yesterday. Dot club. Yeah, we'll make that. Do yeah, do same. <laughs> dot org. Dot, dot, dot com. Dot, dot AI. UK. Dot UK. Dot party. Dot. <laughs> yes, dot party is important. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. What are you doing better now that we've talked about doing better? Oof. Well, first I'm going to talk about what I did better. All right, fine. Can, it's linear, Nathan. You have to move backwards. I was trying to, to tell forwards. it like a Tarantino story, but okay. You think it's that cool, huh? Um, <laughs> nobody heard that. Uh, okay, so what I did better, I went camping and relaxed. You know, I feel like I needed that for a while. Uh, I feel like that all the time anyways, so who, who cares? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was nice. It was, I read a whole bunch. I'm like 80% through for, for the book I bought, the thanks for feedback. And it's really like making me question a lot of things. It's literally just like, oh, you probably are taking feedback this way because you're attached this way or because you're not asking these questions and then it'll describe a scenario and then I'll just read it and be like are you attacking me <laughs> like this book is supposed to like help me uh and not not just like outright shame me but it's really good um so do, do recommend if anybody wants to read it it's called thanks for the feedback by Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen uh so yeah doing did better on that. Uh, I thought I healed my hand a little bit more because I like didn't play any video games and stayed away from the keyboard for the most part as I could. Uh, but that was not correct because this morning it hurts again. So maybe it just knows. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Uh, did some more system design stuff, as I mentioned before. Uh, designed some other made up websites. Tiny URL was a fun one to design because you have to sort of fight between the amount of data you're storing versus amount of hashable and efficiency on storage. Um, so that was kind of cool. And I cleaned up my LinkedIn, went through all the messages, emails, everything of thank you for your opportunity, but I do not work for a startup again or other things like that or be a senior Ruby on Rails <laughs> developer. Uh, <laughs> There's so many of them, dude, I'm telling you. I, I think everybody who was doing Ruby just realized there's better things to do in life. So they all just left in this garden somewhere. And yeah, now they're all just looking 
It's like somebody snapped a finger and all Ruby Rails developers <laughs> left. So, yeah. Anyways, on doing better, um, so I've always had this problem where either it's a mental block or something, I don't know, but regardless of how much weight I am putting on a barbell or however much stronger I'm getting, I can't seem to do more than five or six pull-ups in a set. I could put a 45 plate or I could put a 25 plate. Either way, I'm hitting six pull-ups. And it was really frustrating and annoying, so I'm going to start doing better on just increasing the number. So from now on, I'm just doing bodyweight pull-ups, and I'm going to try to get that number to 15 by the end of summer. Wow, that's... We'll see how well that goes. That's a 300% increase, or 200%. I, I know, math works. but... I've noticed that if I if I like just in my warm up set if I just keep going I could do like up to eight, hmm. but I want to make sure I can do like three sets of fifteen like you know I want to get to that level, so we'll see. It seems pretty impossible because that would mean I need to put on a whole bunch of muscle and cut down fat, uh, which is not gonna happen. But it's a goal, and I'm pretty good at like keeping goals that I'm never gonna achieve and be happy about it. <laughs> Does your gym having assisted pull up? machine no because somehow it was not covid worthy and they couldn't clean it up or something oh. so now i just have the one i am doing pull-ups on i just do negative pull-ups so i'll just put up weight and slowly come down if once i get starting it and then once those tire me out if i'm losing grip strength then i'll just go do the lat pull downs with the chin up whatever hold mm -hmm. and yes i'm targeting chin ups because I know I can do more of those because I can cheat with a bicep as opposed to regular wide arm pull-ups where I'll either mess up my elbow or shoulder or something. So, <laughs> Why are you falling apart over there? I don't know. Maybe I need to do CrossFit and just like completely destroy my body or something. <laughs> Sometimes you have to break things to build them back again. It's the DevOps mindset. Right, yes. You break it, you build it. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then the final do better thing is I'm going to finish the thanks for feedback and do return it because my due date is almost due for the book at the library. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for clarifying. <laughs> so my favorite is just like, yeah, so how about you? What did you do? Or if you want to go Tarantino style, if you want to tell us what you're doing better before. No, we'll, stick with, we'll stick with linear. I'll confuse myself. Here we go. Okay. I'll all over the place. Uh, so I'm still taking weekends off from the gym. I stuck with that. And I'm gonna mention it at least for another few more weeks while I'm doing it because this was a, a good thing and I need to stick with it. Makes my Monday, Tuesday workouts real good. So I'm liking that. Uh, as far as like the whole thing where I said I was gonna focus a lot in May on active lifestyle stuff. So actually being outside you know, biking, hiking, longboarding, those sorts of things. Kept doing that, and I mentioned it earlier, I'm, I don't remember what happened which weekend, but recently at least I biked up to Sydney and walked around there. And this past weekend, biked over to Mount Doug, walked up there, gone to Fegus a couple times recently as well. So lots of getting around uh, on the bike and just trying to stay outside, stay active. I am. One of the things I wanted to do was plan something fun. So my plan for this past weekend had been to do a hiking trip in Strathcona, but 
there's a bunch of snow on the routes I want to do, apparently, according to reviewers on all trails. So if I can't summit, I don't really want to go because apparently it's like waist high at some points. So not interested in that. So I'm going to wait until July or something when it's more, have a better chance to melt and go back and do those routes then. But that does mean I have something planned, which that was the actual do better was plan something. So that's good. And that ties into one of the uh, things I'm going to do better, which is continuing to just learn more about camping, which is how I got talking about all this bear stuff. So I was watching this channel about like things you need to bring for overnight camping and how to pack appropriately because my typical approach is I'll figure it out and that has worked out. I'm obviously not dead, but I've made some mistakes. Things could have gone better. And so I thought I'll just take this time now that I can't go camping this weekend. I may as well, or hiking, the hikes I want to do, I'll just learn. But then the, one of the recommended videos on the channel as a related video was bear safety and I remembered that bears exist. So I'm all freaked out now, but whatever. Uh, in less serious news, weightlifting's going well. So I started getting back into uh, doing some snatches and it doesn't make any sense because I, I barely do any weightlifting, so I'm terrible. Um, it's so like my best for snatches is like 165. So it's basically light, slightly over body weight. It's not very good, but I hadn't done it in a year because I do it a few months each year as just a break for my body. And uh, I did 160 on like my second session. So looks like I might actually make progress this year, which would be cool because I haven't made progress in anything in many years. And <laughs> Uh, I hit platinum in all ranks on Rocket League. So I plan to just do ones. I've since fallen back into gold in ones, but the other two have gone up quite a bit. And so there's this weird thing that keeps happening. I am going to take the time to explain it because I think it's interesting and bizarre. So in the rank system, basically as you play, your matchmaker rank goes up. Because you, or sorry, as you win, your matchmaking rank goes up. And as you lose, it goes back down. And so as you win, obviously you play against people who are higher ranked, which means that they're gonna beat you, so then you lose. And so what keeps happening in my ones right now is I absolutely destroy people at gold three, div two. I win three to five matches and I get up to plat, get crushed, and then I'll have like a close match or two. And if I lose more than one match, I just absolutely destroy whoever I play next. So if I lose three matches in a row, I'll end up just getting six points in the first minute and a half on somebody and they forfeit. And I'm like, this is just, it's basically like, this is what happened this morning. I would play two matches and if I won them both, they were by forfeit because I was just so far ahead. Then I have a close match and either win or lose that. And then if I went down, I would have another forfeit where I would just beat them so bad. And then I go up. If I won a couple, it would be kind of close. And then I would just get crushed. So I'd be the person that was getting destroyed. And so there's this very narrow band right now, and I'm not sure what it's gonna take for me to get over it. I think it's just consistency. In other words, I give up the ball a lot, and then with 1v1, they can just score. But I do all this back and forth, and over the course of the weekend, I did a lot of ones, and I hop into twos or threes, and just my ranking shoots up. So despite the fact that ones hasn't gone up at all, my other rankings while playing ones have shot up a lot. So I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna keep doing it, because I like my ranks going up. It'd be cool to get the diamond this season. Uh, it's something I did not do better. I'm just talking a lot this episode because I've had nobody 
to talk to for a long time. Uh, <laughs> something I did not do better this month. Uh, it's not over yet, technically. Gian told me this earlier. It's not over yet. Um, but I was, my, I was hoping to go on a date this month. I have not been successful. So, uh, listeners, if you're wondering, no. He did not get on a date this month. Uh, at least not yet. If a week. We'll see if that happens. And, uh, oh, yes, I want to eat more fruit, keep playing ones, as I mentioned, and purchase something from my shopping list. So people who have listened to past episodes will remember I put off buying shoes for a long time. There are many other things I've put off buying, and I need to buy at least one of those things. So next week, I need to check in and say, this is what I bought. It was on my list. Here it is. I could read you my list, but it's long, so I won't. And that's it. What if you bought yourself a date, and then that checks off like two boxes? I don't know if that's the kind of date I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm not looking for someone okay. to escort me around town. Mm, okay. I'm looking for someone okay. to happily and, happily and willingly of their own accord, without financial incentive, just hang out. Oh. Okay. I know it's a strange thing. It's this North American yeah. Canadian thing you're not used yeah. to. Yeah, because I'm just a gold digger. So right. like, before I even go out, I'm like, do you have enough money to sustain me so that I can just stay at home and code for fun? And if they're like, how did you get in my home? Please get out. I'm just like, this is not for me. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the opposite mm. of that. Okay, maybe I need to change my strategy too. Because like, I figured if I break into rich houses, that's where people with money are. Mm-hmm. It just seemed logical. Right. But people don't like it when you do that. See, the thing you're missing is don't dress for the job you have, dress for the job you want. So you need to show up mm-hmm. looking very well off. And then they'll be like, oh, you're here. Yeah, my, my two o'clock is here. That's right or something right and then they'll be like what is your business here and i'd be like to do business things <laughs> and they will be like wow this guy knows what he's talking about yeah yeah and then you're good business and money and uh, how about that stock market huh it sure is up and down it's real volatile these days uh, the bulliger so bands look at them <laughs> they sure are wild all right well <laughs> we will end it there uh Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, come back, and as always, youtube.com slash into the count. <laughs> <laughs>